The BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, is presented by InWeGo. If you guys don't know what InWeGo is, it's Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can in Denver, around Colorado, for only $39 a month, no additional costs or fees either. So hundreds of events every month in Denver for just $39 a month. For instance, you can hit up tons of CU basketball over the next week. The CU-CSU game is around the corner. I was just up in Boulder for a game against Omaha. The other weekend, courtesy of In We Go, great seats, great time, great basketball as well. Hit it up Nuggets games. They're hosting the Orlando Magic here Friday night. I'm sure some of you are listening to this podcast after the game, but tons of other chances to go to Nuggets games, Avalanche games as well, concerts, comedy shows. Really, whatever event you want to go to in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. But here's where it gets really good. We've actually partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners an awesome deal. Here's how it works. If you go to InWeGo.com right now, backslash BSN, or if you download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All those events in Denver, countless more, hundreds more every month in Denver for just 20 bucks during your first month. Try it, and I guarantee you, you're going to fall in love with it. So, again, go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN, or download the app for free. Use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's going on, guys? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here. Across the table from me is Christian Clark. We're recording here from Blake Street Tavern, downtown Denver, Lodo. You guys probably know the spot. Great beer, great food, great spot to watch all your games. We were just watching Nebraska, Iowa. Iowa won on a game-winning field goal. Go Hawkeyes. Now get ready for some UCLA Carolina College basketball here from Vegas. As we're getting ready, of course, for this Nuggets Magic game Friday night. I'm sure some of you will listen to this podcast after the game has already happened. So we're not going to bore you with too much details, too many insights about the Orlando Magic and what could be on the table for tonight's Magic. But real quickly, though, I think the Magic are a pretty average team the Nuggets should take care of business at home. The Magic have been playing well, 9-9. Nine and nine. They're no pushover by any means, but this is a matchup the Nuggets should have. Uh, they should take care of business after that win in Minnesota and have a nice little two-game winning streak here into a back-to-back on Saturday in OKC. Is that how you see this game going here Friday night? Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking the Nuggets' chances tonight. Um, if you think back to the one last year, they, they played the Magic in the fall the Magic got out of the gates pretty good, you know, pretty similar to this year. And Denver wound up just beating the brakes off of them. Denver is a pretty heavy favorite in this game. 
Um, so I think, you know, a little, a little rest on Thanksgiving, um, coming back home is going to work wonders for the Nuggets. This seems like a game Nikola Jokic could go off in. And obviously we're speculating a little here, and you're pro- we might look like fools after this if Jokic doesn't have a good game here Friday night, but I could see a triple-double in the cards for him. I could see a big game going up against Nikola Vucevic here tonight. This seems like a game where he could really get on track. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think the Jokic's eat a turkey on Thanksgiving? I don't think so, no. Okay. I don't think so, but he did have Magic Center, Nikola Vucevic, over to his house Thursday night for a meal. I don't think they ate Thanksgiving, but I'm sure some Serbian slash Montenegrin dishes made an appearance. Is that right? Montenegrin, Montenegroin dishes? Uh, I think you got it right the first time. Okay. But yeah, I'm sure... Uh, I don't think they had any turkey per se, but maybe some nice hearty food. Okay, well, if there's any opening tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out you know what the Jokic's ate. Um, it's probably not likely I find that out, huh? Fish stew, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's a Jokic household favorite. But we were talking on a Wednesday show before Thanksgiving about how Jokic has kind of been in this rut off the court. Just hasn't been himself. Hasn't been the same fun-loving guy ever since that fine came down. He spoke at Shootaround Friday, and he was asked about Vucevic and their relationship, and it was a very it was very light, of course, but he was in a great mood. So I think he might be coming around. I think that fine and, and all that stuff is really in the rearview mirror now, and you know, they finally got a win. Yes, they've lost five of seven now, but you know, it, it could have been a lot worse that they had dropped that final game in Minnesota. So I, I think he's well past whatever that was uh, from a few weeks back. I think he's you know moved on from that, and I think we're going to maybe start to see that fun-loving guy return. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see him, the Nuggets string some games together where they look like they're in rhythm offensively because yeah. I think we're seeing it, seeing it more and more here lately. We see it for a half. We see it for three quarters um, in burst, but you know, I want to see it for five games in a row or something like that just get that rhythm going yeah i want to see it against a team not named the atlanta hawks for four quarters yeah <laughs> they were a g league team <laughs> that was a g league team troy daniels please don't fight me <laughs> here's what else i observed at shoot around this morning i asked paul Millsap, like what's the mindset of this team right now like they've lost six of eight but all those games were pretty close. All those games were against playoff caliber teams except Brooklyn. And Brooklyn's not even like a pushover by any means. They got good players on that roster. You've got to come out and play hard against them. And what Paul said in response to my question was pretty much along the lines of, I think, what we've been saying on this podcast here. And it was pretty insightful, I thought. He said, quote, we were right there in all those games. We had opportunities to win those games. We know that. So it's kind of a good thought in your head to know that you were capable of winning those games. Our spirits are still up. Our confidence is still up. Those losses could easily be wins in our minds. So I don't think this team is discouraged by the stretch they were just on because of the fact that they were in all those games and they were against playoff caliber teams. They played Milwaukee twice in that stretch. Milwaukee has been probably the second or third best team in the league this season behind Golden State 
and Toronto. So I think the Nuggets feel good about where they're at, mainly because those losses were really tight. And uh, the Milwaukee's of the world, the Houston's of the world, these were good teams they were losing to. Yeah, I, I thought they brought the effort, you know, pretty pretty consistently during that that stretch of games. Um, you know, the, the Nuggets' biggest loss of the season, points wise, is ten points twice. I mean, it, it was against Houston and New Orleans. Really, those teams just kind of uh, you know pulled away at the end when, when the Nuggets were were trying to foul and make it a game. But I mean, I, I think you still got to be pretty encouraged by what you've seen out of the Nuggets. You know, early on this season. Um, <laughs> dropping these some of these games I mean especially that one to Brooklyn hurt but look they're still in a pretty good spot um, Nicole Jokic has had some a, a rough patch here but if he's over that then the Nuggets are going to be fine moving forward I, I think it's as simple as that I agree I think they'll be fine moving forward it's funny looking at the Western Conference right now compared to the Eastern Conference uh, there are Eight, nine, ten teams in the West that are above 500. In the East, there are six. So that's a little insight into this, the discrepancy between the East and Western Conference right now. Here are the only teams above 500 in the East. Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Indiana, Detroit, Charlotte. The Magic are 9-9. Nine nine, the Celtics are 9-9. Nine nine, the Nets are 8-12. The Wizards are 6-11. There's already uh, some separation here in the Eastern Conference, whereas in the West, really teams one through ten are separated by two and a half games. East is better at the top, but the West is better from top to bottom, in my opinion. For sure, for sure. I mean, the Sacramento Kings at ten and eight right now would be the fifth seed in the East. The Kings are tough, man. Um, De'Aaron Fox has become one of my favorite guys to watch this year. Was the win over the Kings at home more impressive or less impressive than the road win over the Minnesota Timberwolves in your mind? Because I've been keeping a tally of the Nuggets' five most impressive wins this season, and I've had that win at home over the Kings as their fifth most impressive win so far before this win against Minnesota. So should that win in Minnesota on Wednesday become number five? Yeah, I think it was impressive, uh, probably a little more impressive than the Kings one just because it was on the road where the Nuggets have been pretty terrible uh, the last season and some change. So. I agree. I agree. I think that should be number five. I'll have to update that on uh, Twitter a little bit here. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. We got some questions we'll get to on Twitter. Let's see here. Interesting question about Paul Millsap, if the Nuggets should – accept or decline his upcoming option and also a question about Wancho the minutes he'll get when Barton comes back we'll also go to the total beverage fan hotline got a question there about if the Nuggets are primed for a big trade if they might be buyers this winter and into the trade deadline so we'll get to that but let's go ahead and take a break real quick we'll be right back what if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking it's true, Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath & Body, created Pit Liquor. You heard me right, Pit Liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found Pit Liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit Liquor is wonderful. They save my under eyes. No more sweaty, itchy under eyes for me. 
So I definitely love them and will be customers as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit Liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across Pit Liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their product. So the difference between Pit Liquor and other natural deodorant is I do not stink. <laughs> I tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But Pit Liquor for me lasts all day. Pit Liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind, and Christian Clark here on a gorgeous Friday in Denver. We're recording from Blake Street Tavern here. Downtown Lodo, block or two from Coors Field. Definitely my favorite sports bar in the Lodo area. Here's a question we've got on Twitter from our guy, Josh Barnett. Great Nuggets fan from Sydney, Australia. Do you think the Nuggets can and should decline and extend Paul Millsap's contract or just opt in for the $30 million? He's really showing his importance to the team. Also, what is Colorado's best craft beer? Two questions there, two very important questions there. I'll ask you the Paul Millsap portion of it first. Should the Nuggets decline his contract or should they pick up that team option for around $30 million? I'm a huge Paul Millsap fan. Um, you know, uh, his game against Minnesota was was one of the better games I think he's played in Nuggets uniform. You know, not only shooting the ball, but but just the toughness he showed all game. I thought it was really impressive him trying to step over and take that charge against Carl Anthony Towns with a forehead full of stitches. I mean, Paul Millsap is a great competitor. I think he's a great teammate. He was instrumental in helping Jokic along last year when. He's kind of going through this identity crisis like, oh, I'm the best player on this team, but should I take over? Paul really helped him there. So, look, I'm a huge Paul Millsap fan, but I would not pay him $30 million next year. Um, This is just kind of a gut feeling, but I think if the Nuggets are able to go to the playoffs this year and and show they can be competitive moving forward, then I think the Nuggets and Paul would probably figure out, you know, a new deal, come back on, on something a little bit cheaper than that. Um, and stick around, but I don't see him coming back in that $30 million a year figure. Yeah, I can't either. That's a lot of money, 30 mil. But, I mean, he's probably been worth $30 bucks this year to the Nuggets for what he's done on the defensive end, I'd say. He's been the leader in this defensive turnaround. There's no way they post these defensive numbers without Paul Millsap. And, I mean, hey, we are... Nearly 20 games into the season. We're nearly at the quarter pole of the regular season. And the Nuggets are still a top 10 defense. They're now the seventh best defense. I anticipate that will keep sliding. But they should be a top half, a top 15 defense this year. Mainly because of Paul Millsap and just kind of a renewed focus on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, everybody on the roster has had that. But I think he's the catalyst there. So he's been worth a lot to Denver this year. Maybe he's been worth $30 million. Granted, when you look at next year, I think you're going to want some financial flexibility when it comes to next summer. Denver could probably open up near maximum cap room 
uh, on the books next summer for a uh, fruitful free agency class. So I think you want to have your options there, keep your flexibility there. So I think they should decline it, but I would think the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets should want to keep them around for sure. I I was talking with a few Magic guys at Shoot Around this morning, and Paul Millsap actually almost went to the Magic before he re-upped with Atlanta a few years back. You know, before, obviously, uh, he chose Nuggets in free agency. But when he signed his last contract with Atlanta, he was very close to going to Orlando. And uh, the Magic wanted him because this guy is just a culture setter. And think of what Paul Millsap, you know, five years ago, or five or six, I'm not sure how many years ago exactly, but think about what he would have done for a young Magic team back then that was really trying to find its way, right? Oh, it w- you would have been huge for him. I mean, I think he's already b- made a significant impact on guys like Nikola Jokic, guys like Malik Beasley, uh, you know, Gary Harris. It seems like he's kind of mostly figured out on his own, but even him to some degree. Paul is huge in terms of showing these guys, you know, how to be a pro, how to deal with the media, I mean, how to get your, your work in. Um, you really can't say enough good things about, you know, the type of, of person and, and locker room guy he is. Definitely. So that power forward position, I'd say that and small forward are the two positions that when you project this team years in advance are probably up in the air the most, right? Small forward, Will Barton's penciled in there this year. He could be penciled in there for the next three years, but you could see some scenario, or at least I could, where the Nuggets could find an upgrade there. Well, I have a hard time uh, envisioning him starting over Kevin Durant, but maybe. (laughs) Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I don't know if he'd start over any of those guys, but... It'd be a hell of a six-man on the team with Kevin Durant, though. <laughs> right. So, point guard, shooting guard, center. I think you got your guys locked in there for for the most part. Power forward, though, you know, they got options, right? Paul Millsap's here. We just spoke about you know, what his future could be. They've got Trey Lyles backing him up. He's a guy they could pay this summer if they wanted to. He's a restricted free agent. You got Jared Vanderbilt just kind of waiting in the wings out there. Not sure when he'll be able to get back on the court, but we got another question here about Trey Lyles, and uh, the question is, how do the Nuggets get more out of Trey Lyles? Uh, He's having an okay year, I think. Not shooting the ball to the level he was last year. What's just been, uh, I guess, your opinion of Lyles and, and the job he's done so far this year? You know, I think he's done a pretty decent job scoring the ball. He's averaging double figures um, in 20 minutes per game. So, you know, he's he's scoring the ball pretty well. But I guess I just expected a little bit more from him. I mean, all the all the reports from training camp were that he was just killing it when they were in practice. Um, I think I even predicted on a preseason podcast that he was a dark horse six man of the year candidate. This is You're another, laughing right now. This is another one of your great predictions. Well. First of all, I'll take full responsibility for this one. I, I'm not going to take that much responsibility for the Summer League ones because you're like, yeah, let's do Summer League bold predictions. And I was like un- unsure about it. I was like, you know, I don't know these guys well enough to do bold predictions, but I got kind of bullied into this one. But I'll take some responsibility for this one. Um, you know, Trey still has some time to turn it around. But I don't know. He's just been kind of meh. Um, he, I think sometimes he floats. Um, you know, I, I think 
if all the time he was looking to punish smaller players, I think he does a good job of that some of the time. Uh, if he's just a, a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more consistent motor on the defensive end, I, I think I would like him a lot more. My take on Lyles is I believe his whole game is predicated on if his three-point shot is falling. And the fact that it's not falling right now and he's shooting 23.5% from three on around three attempts per game, like he has just not been able to find the range from three at all this year. Uh, wide open shots, contested shots. Seems like he's rushing his shot a bit right now. And so the fact that he's not making his threes makes me believe that he's you know doesn't have a ton of confidence in the rest of his floor game. Like I think if he was hitting his threes, that just really opens up the rest of his offense for him. But the fact that he isn't, you know, kind of makes him a bit more hesitant on that end of the floor. That's what I'm seeing with Lyles at least. Do we know for a fact that he's a good shooter? I mean, he shot 38% from three last year. That was um, a, a by far, you know, his best season shooting from deep. But Well, he look, shot a 38.3% from three his rookie year. Yeah, not a, that many attempts. Know. And he's not a, he's a below average free throw shooter, too. Right. That's, that's kind of, you know, one of the, the red flags I see in his game. He's shooting 65% from the free throw line right now. He's been under 75% every season of his career. 75% is what you would kind of consider average for an NBA player. Uh, I think he's a good shooter. I don't know if he's 38% good, but like 35, 36% good, 37. There's no reason he shouldn't be, right? He's got I mean, a beautiful looking got, shot. I just yeah. I just need to see it go in more. He's got a beautiful looking shot. This guy's been playing on the perimeter going back to Kentucky. I remember he played small forward at Kentucky because that team had so many bigs. You know, he he's comfortable out there. He's comfortable picking and popping. His form is beautiful his free throw shot his mechanics are fine like I don't know why he doesn't see more free throws go in I think he's a good uh, three-point shooter I think he's a good shooter in general it just hasn't hasn't gone his way this year yeah that's like one of the biggest mysteries uh, on this Nuggets team the past two seasons Uh, why can't Trey Lyles you know shoot around 80 percent from the line I don't get it yeah but What's his future here? Because Adrian Wojnarowski said on a podcast a month or so back that Trey Lyles is the future power forward here. And I think that's a scenario that could be on the table still. The Nuggets would have to re-sign him this summer. He'll enter restricted free agency. I'm not sure how fruitful that market will be. A lot of teams will have money, but restricted free agency has not been very good to players over the last couple of years. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that option could be on the table. Is he the power forward of the future, the guy who's going to be the four on this team for the next five or six years? I don't think so. Uh, But I guess him starting maybe next year is something that's on the table still. I, I mean, if Millsap comes back on a, on a cheaper deal, like we kind of were just talking about, I think Millsap would still be the starter, right, um, right. even if both of those guys were to come back. But, I mean, it's definitely in play that, that Trey Lyles is the long-term answer. I would, I think I would worry about Trey and Nicola defensively. That fit, I think you'd probably want someone who's a little bit better at covering up, covering up some of uh, Nicola's deficiencies on that side of the floor. Um, I, I remain really interested in what Jared Vanderbilt can do, but I, I just haven't seen him play at all. So well, maybe it's, you it's don't need as much of a defensive presence at the four with this new lockdown Nikola Jokic at the five. I mean, it's nice that he's 
trying now, um, but <laughs> I, I think you still need someone who's a, a plus defender next to him. Well put. I think Lyles could be maybe a trade candidate. Maybe as we get closer to the trade deadline, it's probably going to be dependent on what his role is there. If the Nuggets can still find you know, 21, 22 minutes for him like he's playing now. But if you're looking for a guy, Denver might move. Maybe maybe he's the guy, especially because he's going to be a free agent next summer. That's why I'm saying that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's definitely a, a, a scenario that could happen. I mean, just think about all the guys who could plug the that hole at backup power forward. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, when he gets healthy, Wancho can definitely eat up a lot of backup four minutes. We haven't got to see him play hardly any four the last two seasons because there's such a log jam there. So right. plenty of candidates. And then you got Jared Vanderbilt kind of floating out there, waiting in the wings, doing some very light stuff at shoot-arounds and uh, slowly getting back here. I'm sure when he gets back, he'll spend a lot of time in the G League. And I'm predicting he's going to dominate in the G League. Here's one of my bold predictions. Jared Vanderbilt will average... 13 points and eight rebounds in the G League this year. That's my bold prediction about Jared Vanderbilt. But he's the guy who I'm very high on. I was not, I'll admit I was not very well versed on him entering the draft. But once the Nuggets selected him, I quickly learned uh, partly because of how high the Nuggets were on him and partly because of... uh, it was obvious just watching film how talented of a rebounder and a defender and playmaker and athlete he was. But I quickly became very high on him and am still very high on him. And I think there's a chance he's your quote-unquote power forward of the future too. You should always pay attention to the guys that Nuggets draft in the second round. Uh, right. Great tech track record of hitting on second round guys. I think this is that's one thing this franchise is really, really good at is you know, finding players in in that 30 to 60 range. Right. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. Got some more questions to get to on the other side. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Cake House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs, it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today. And don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here recording Friday from Blake Street Tavern here in downtown Denver. If you're in the area, don't be afraid to stop in. They're hosting our podcast today. They got great food, great drinks, great TVs as well. We're watching UCLA, North Carolina here, a little college basketball as we get ready for Nuggets Magic Friday night at Pepsi Center. 
Going to go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. Got a question there about maybe some other trade options for the Nuggets as the trade deadline is still a ways away. But I think once the league hits December 15th and a lot of those contracts that were signed this summer become trade eligible, that's when teams really start to think about how can we make our team better. So we'll talk about the trade market maybe a little bit here with this question. But if you never called into the show before and you have a question for us that you want played on the show, don't be afraid to hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number to call. All it is is an answering machine. So leave your name, leave where you're calling from, leave a question for the show. And without further ado, let's go there right now. Hello, this is Corey from Florida. Um, just taking into account the uh, players around the league, that may be available for trade, like everybody on the Wizards or uh, Markel Fultz. He might be preferring a, cha- a change of scenery. Um, do you see the Nuggets getting involved in any trade discussion- discussions? Maybe not as of right now, but can you see down the road them trying to consolidate their assets in order to make a move, uh, even if it's in the off season, just to to get a specific type of player or to to uh. Yeah, just to get a specific type of player, maybe at the small forward position or to just consolidate guys in order to, to get that type of player, uh, specific type of player. Uh, Trey Lyles, to me, looks out of place. I don't know, maybe he's just out of rhythm, but he seems a little bit redundant. Yeah, I do like his game when he does attack the rim, but uh, overall he seems like he's not comfortable in his role or doesn't exactly know what he's supposed to do so um just wonder about your uh, response to that do you think the nuggets make a trade anytime soon or this year or whatever uh go nuggets thanks Corey, for the question thanks for always calling in here yeah how about what's going on in washington we really haven't touched on that on this podcast but wow not a great situation for scotty brooks and the wizards before we dive into how this could pertain to the Nuggets, how do you think this situation sorts itself out in Washington? Do you think they clear house? Do you think they try to just ride this thing out and try to turn it around and sniff the seven or eight seed? What do you see happening with the Wizards? I see a couple big moves happening, but who's taking that John Wall contract? I mean, that, that's what I want to know. Like, I mean, are, are they going to have to like send a pick with that or something to get off that money? They're going to either have to send a pick or they're going to have to find some, I won't even say some GM, but maybe some owner who looks at John Wall and is like, oh, shit, it's John Wall, former All-Star, you know, former you know, All-NBA guy. You know, this is John Wall. Like We could get some butts in seats with John Wall here. You know, we could market the hell out of him. We could sell the heck out of him. So I think that's what it might take an owner or kind of a uh, desperate GM, if you will, to bite on a deal like that. Because I agree, that contract is an albatross. You're taking that John Wall money. You're pretty much tying yourself to him for the next three, four years. Because I know Blake Griffin got traded. If you trade for John Wall, good luck trying to flip him again. You know, maybe until that last year of his deal. Yeah, I mean... He's reportedly going to Rosebud like every other night out out there in D.C. He's F-bombing his coach 
Um, Rosebud? What's Rosebud? Oh, it's like the hot club in D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's what Stephen A. said. On, it's a good uh, name drop. On first take, yeah. <laughs> good name drop. I've never been there. I'm not a club guy, but yeah, not not great. Um, not great signs for, you know, how, how a point guard who relies on his athleticism is going to age. I mean, what they should do is just retool around Brad Beal, make everyone available but Beal, and just retool around him because that dude's a stud. I mean, he's better than Wall right now. He is a stud, and I agree. That should be their course of action. The only issue is Brad Beal is going to fetch by far the most lucrative trade package, right? Brad Beal's 25, an all-star, an elite two-way player, I think, at his position. I also don't think he's like nearly the head case that John Wall is. Like, you're not going to have the off-the-court problems with Brad Beal that might follow John Wall. Detroit has been talked about as a potential landing spot for Wall for, like, a Reggie Jackson combo platter. Would that interest you if you're Washington? Hell no. I don't know, though, actually. If you could get off John Wall's money, I mean, if they just take it straight up, then, oh, man, maybe. Think for, like, Reggie Jackson, John Lore, oh. a, little, a little this, a little that. I mean, that's that's not great, but anything to, to I guess, avoid paying John Wall like right. $40 million the, down the road. The Wizards, they can't, they're beggars. They can't be choosers right now with John Wall. I think if a team is looking to get off his money, you got to pounce on that. But let's talk about Brad Beal because he is a guy who could fetch a lot more than John Wall in the open market. And I think he's probably going to be the guy that attracts the most interest here. Look, Otto Porter could attract a lot of interest around the open market, too. A uh, 3-4 who could, you know, start. He could probably come off the bench for a lot of teams, a lot of playoff caliber teams in the Western Conference. I want to pivot this conversation back to Nuggets, though. Do you think Denver, not just with the Wizards, but maybe with the Wizards, do you think they could be primed for a big move this trade season they've got a lot of attractive assets they've got pretty much five guys they're playing off the bench right now when will barton comes back wancho's gonna slide to the bench so we could see a real like toronto Raptors situation where they got a five-man bench unit like we saw in the preseason typically teams don't have that especially in the playoffs you know benches will get reduced too i mean could denver be in a position to kind of pull some of these assets together and make a big play Absolutely, because think of all the talent you have that, that's not even playing right now due to injury and just waiting in the pipeline. Michael Porter Jr., I mean, probably not even going to play it all this year. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, he, he's just been chilling, recovering from injury. You got Vlatko Can- Chanchar um, down the line. So there is so much talent on this team and waiting in the wings. Absolutely, I think they could be primed for a trade. I think they could too. It's funny, Denver's like always the team that's rumored to, oh, you know, Denver could call. Denver could be interested because they have all these pieces. They have a Malik Beasley. They have a Wancho. They have all these guys who, like I've said time and time again, could be playing big heavy minutes on a lot of teams throughout the league, probably more than they're playing right now on Denver. And and the thing about Tim Connolly, too, is I don't think he's afraid to take big swings. I mean, the deal with Gary Harris for Kevin Love didn't go through. It kind of fell apart at the last minute. But uh, that wasn't because the Nuggets were scared or pulled out or anything like that. Definitely. And it's probably also going to depend a lot on how these next few weeks and this next month or two goes. Like, if it goes really well, 
I could see Denver wanting to ride it out a bit with this group. Like, get everybody healthy, at least see what they have. Because that's another thing. Like, I think Denver could look at this roster and look at Isaiah Thomas being out right now and, and look at Will Barton, who might not return until later in December or maybe in January, and say, hey, those are going to be our two big trade deadline or our big January acquisitions. They could look at things that way because Isaiah Thomas could come in here and totally change the dynamic of the team if he's healthy. Yeah, he could. And we, we spent you know so much of the offseason talking about how excited we were for the Murray-Harris-Barton-Millsap-Jokic-5. We got to see it a little bit last season, and it really popped. And we really got to saw it for two games this year, and it really popped in those two games. So I would love to see more of those five guys together. It feels like we've been waiting forever for that to happen. Um, but, I mean, you definitely got to just – see what the price is on Brad Beal and put in the due diligence at least. I wonder if the Nuggets could put together a trade package for Brad Beal. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that would look like. Would that include a Jamal Murray? I don't think the Nuggets would want to give up Gary Harris in that deal. He seems, you know, he seems like a Brad Beal level player, Gary Harris does, or a guy who could be like that next season maybe. I don't think they'd want to give up him there. And again, just speculating here, they could probably build a package around Jamal Murray and you know a Trey Lyles and another guy in there. You probably have to throw in Mason Plumley to match salaries. That would probably work on paper for Brad Beal. I got to imagine a guy like Jamal Murray is what the Wizards would look for. I don't know if Denver would entertain that though at this point in the year at 11 and 7 not even 20 games into the year I think they'd want to see things out a little bit more yeah and there's a chance that Jamal Murray develops into a better player than Brad Beal too sure. I, I think I mean you just go look at Brad Beal's second season he averaged about the same number of points as Jamal Murray but he did it a lot less efficiently and you know part of that's probably due to Nicole Jokic a little bit but right. Jamal Murray had a, had a heck of a second season and you know even with this kind of rough start to, to year number three I'm still really high in him long term too. I am too. What would a backcourt look like with Brad Beal and Gary Harris? Think that would work? That's like the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> that is like the Spider-Man meme but that could work with yeah. Jokic with a ball handler at the three in Will Barton, that could definitely work. Oh, that'd be that'd be spicy. Because let's be honest, like Jamal Murray isn't a pure point guard anyway. I don't know if he's any more of a point guard than Gary Harris or Brad Beal are at this point. Maybe slightly more just because he's been playing that position more regularly. But I think both those guys could be thrust into some ball handling duties and be fine. You know, And then you get Will Barton back, who's a natural ball handler too. I think that combination could work. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you'd uh, it'd be tough to give up Jamal Murray, but man, that'd be that'd be one to think long and hard about. We forgot to answer this part of Josh's question from a few minutes ago. What is Colorado's best craft beer? For me, my favorite beer is a Colette. Have you ever had Colette? Oh yeah, the, I probably the forced it upon you a couple the times. The farmhouse ones. Yeah, the farmhouse ale. Seven point three ABV. Available year-round, 92 beer advocate score. That is my favorite uh, Colorado craft beer. They have it on most bars. 
uh, on tap. Yeah, it's got the can. There's a, a farmer with a pitchfork on the front of it. Yeah. You got one that's your favorite? 90 shilling, man. It's my go-to. I like all amber beers. I'm a, I'm a big amber beer guy. Reliable, consistent, 90 shilling. It's like yeah. the Gary Harris of uh, <laughs> Colorado craft beers. Yeah, it's like a, a Colorado spin on uh, a Shinerbach. Exactly, exactly. All right, I think that's all we got for today. Again, we're recording down here at uh, Blake Street Tavern Friday afternoon as we get set for Nuggets and Magic. Make sure to check these guys out at Blake Street Tavern. Great food, great drinks. Maybe I'll have a Colette as well if they have it here. I'm sure they do. Getting the weekend started early. <laughs> Getting the weekend started early. Got to work tonight, though. Uh, Got to work tonight, though. All right, guys, if you got questions for the show, don't be afraid to call into the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. Feel free to call in after tonight's game. Feel free to call in after Saturday's game in Oklahoma City. And we'll be back with another episode on Monday, recapping both these games. Talk with you guys then. Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236.